Does he deserve our praise? Would you listen? Lift your hands right now, not your clap, but lift your hands and just honor the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, for he is with us right now. We are in his presence and he is receiving our praise. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're thankful that Pastor Paul is taking a few days to be with family and enjoy some time with his family. And so that is an awesome opportunity for him. He was already out at the General Assembly, and so it made his journey a little bit easier to go and do some things with his mom and dad. And so we're just glad they've got that time together. Amen? Amen. How many people love Pastor Paul and his wife? Would you put your hands together? He's probably going to watch. He needs to hear the sound of your clap. He's a good man. He loves you and loves this community. I want to, uh, I want to share from Scripture today. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Matthew. And uh, we're going to read from chapter 14, and we're going to begin with verse 22. And if you would, I know we just sat down, but the same one we just clapped about and we just lifted our hands and praised is worthy of us standing in his presence. And that's what we need to remember. When we come to his house, we don't have to wonder if he's here. He is present when his people gather together under the banner of his name. But also, it's a great comfort to us to know he is with us wherever we go. And we can be thankful that whatever circumstance we find ourselves, we'll be able to find the presence of Jesus. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Jesus got, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. 
cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Can you say amen to his word? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk about water walkers. Water walkers. What does it take to become a water walker? First, I'd like to mention is one must, we must recognize his presence. Peter and the other disciples got in a boat in the afternoon after Jesus had taught. They were on that boat on their way to a destination of Bethsaida that Jesus had told them to go across without him. That should have been a hint that they were going to make it all the way. But Jesus dismissed the crowd, stayed and dismissed the crowd, and then he went and found a place alone where he could pray. Evidently, he was there for a period of time because they had gone a good distance away from land, and it was the fourth watch of the night. Jesus, being on the mountain praying, saw them in trouble. I want you to understand something. Jesus sees you in your trouble. He knows what's happening in your life. Jesus, knowing that they were in trouble, that the winds were tormenting the boat, tossing it, he went to them. But when they saw him coming, they thought he was a ghost. They would rather believe it was a ghost than to even think that it could have been Jesus. But it was Jesus. I believe Jesus was coming to teach them a lesson by walking on the water. I believe he was trying to tell them that you've got to have faith to see me in the midst of your trouble. You've got to have faith to see me that my supernatural presence will be with you in your crises. Isn't that that the way it is with the storms of our life? We're tormented with the waves of disappointment, tormented with the waves of doubt, tormented with the waves of discouragement. And we need to realize that it's also, you know, we could sit here and condemn them for not knowing it was Jesus. But how often do we face circumstances and we don't even recognize he's there? You see, one of the things that our faith has to develop is that God's not an occasional person who shows up at different times. He 
is with you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. That means he's ever present with us. What a story of his faithfulness. The gospel of Mark gives something that Matthew doesn't mention. He says that when Jesus was walking on the water, he was passing by them. He was passing by them. I've often thought, why, if he is on the mountain and he sees that his disciples are in trouble, and he's gone from the mountain to walking on the water to where they are, why would he act like he was passing them by? I think there's a reason for that. I think that he wanted them to realize that if they don't recognize his presence, they'll miss him. I want to tell you something, if you, don't, if you don't recognize the presence of the Lord in your life, you will miss him. You see, we must recognize his presence. This is not the first time about the passing. The Bible says that Moses was put in a cliff of a rock so that he might pass back by and show his glory. Also, Elijah was put on a mountain so that the Lord would pass by. We've got to be cognizant, and we've got to be aware that the Lord is present and, and invite that present into our trouble. What they were seeing was his glory passing by. Jesus was calling his disciples who else would be walking on the water? Who else would come to you like this? You see, he, he, it was he alone who could walk on the water in the midst of their storm. You see, there's people that can go into our storm with us, but only one who has the power to walk on water. He wanted them to know that their future ministry would be dependent upon the awareness of his presence as they started the church that he commissioned them to do. He wanted them to be aware that there were going to be life extremities that they were going to have to face and they would have to recognize his presence. He, must, he wanted them to learn that in the difficult times of their life, they had to live with an expectation that he would be there at that time. You see, if we, have, if we live in an expectation of his presence, we won't miss his presence. Amen. You see, what a tragedy it would be for his presence to be with us and we would fail to recognize it. Did you hear me? What a tragedy it would be for his presence to be with us and we don't recognize it. They had Jesus there in the storm. They had Jesus there with them 
walking on the water. But they had to expect that it was him to receive what he was about to offer. Second, we must recognize the importance of obedience. When Peter saw and recognized that it was Jesus, he said, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. There's an important lesson here. The statement is not a story about risk-taking. It's a story about obedience. It's, it is about the discernment of when to act in faith and not be foolish. For him to have tried to get out of the boat and walk on water would have been foolish if he had not said, Lord, bid me come to walk on the water. It was only at the command of Jesus that he could do what he did. In our obedience, we must have discernment. I remember a young man back in Alabama that was a member of a large church there. And he was assigned to work with me as I was working on a committee for a Jimmy Swagger crusade. And I remember this young man telling me his story, that he just quit his job, just quit his job to be involved in ministry, that God would just open a door for him. Months and months passed by after I met him and he was losing his car, he was losing his house, he was losing everything because he had been foolish. You don't do things like that unless you hear a command from the Lord. You see, the precedent is set here. It's only when extreme faith can be offered when Jesus commands it. If he commands you to do the extreme like walking on water, you can walk on water if you will hear his command. Third, faith is what gets you out of the boat. Faith is what gets you out of the boat. Keep in mind the conditions that were surrounding Peter. Consider the size of the waves. Consider the strength of the wind. Consider the darkness of night. He could have been overwhelmed by all that was going on around him. I want you to understand something this morning. If we get our eyes on what's happening around us, we may not get our eyes on Jesus. You see, it was overwhelming for him, but he walked. Because the command of Jesus was what made the difference. If Jesus invites you into a faith adventure, walk. Obey. Because he will back you up. If you stay in the boat, if Peter had stayed in the boat, it was risky because they were in trouble because of the storm. If he got out of the boat and tried to walk on water, it was risky 
because he would be doing something no man had ever done. You see, what is in the boat, what is the boat that makes you afraid of obeying? What is the boat that keeps you from having faith to step out into your adventure? You see, God's got great adventures for all of us in our life. We don't have to look at ourselves just as a member. We don't have to look at ourselves as just a person. We are a person he's chosen. We are a person he's called. We are a person that his hand and his anointing and his spirit is in us. We are somebody that God can use if we will get out of our boat. What is your boat of security? What is your boat of safety? What keeps you from being obedient to God? You see, fear will tell you what keeps you in the boat. What is it that you fear? What produces fear in your stepping out in faith? Could it be a fear of stepping into a ministry in the church? Could it be a fear of failure? Could it be a fear of some what other people thought? Well, who are they to do that kind of work? It could be the fear of, I've been so up and down in my past do I take a risk of getting involved now? What is your fear that keeps you from your adventure? Is it a fear of witnessing for fear that you will fail or somebody will laugh at you or if people will talk about, well, he tried to get me to be a Christian? A fear of witnessing, and yet it's the very thing Jesus has commanded us to do to be witnesses for him to people who are lost? Could it be that it's the adventure of faith to give one-tenth of your income to the kingdom of God, that you're afraid that it, your nine, 90% that you get to keep won't be enough for you to survive? What is your boat? Is it fear of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost because you don't know how you're going to act or what you're going to say. I remember a young man that I, I, uh, I think I may have told you about him before. He, he didn't want to receive the Holy Ghost because he did not want to know what he would do when he received it. So he was unwilling to be open. But one night, at Lee Auditorium, the men went into the back behind the curtains to pray. And they, some of the guys got around him and again began to pray with him to receive the baptism. And he was in not just a white coat, he was in a white suit. And if you've ever been back there, it's dirty. And the Holy Spirit slayed him out on the floor and he began to walk roll in the, in the dirt, but he got, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that day. What are you afraid of? If it's from God, 
If it's scriptural, why be afraid? If it's being used in spiritual gifts, are you afraid when God puts it in your heart to operate in a gift? You see, the point is, if you're ever going to get out of the boat and overcome your fear, you've got to have a leap of faith. Four, you can't depend on what you see. Peter steps to the side of the boat. He's fixing to begin his journey. He puts one leg over the side, and then he puts the second. And no doubt he's holding on to the boat as well as he can, hesitant. But then he finally lets go. And when he lets go, something miraculous takes place. His feet are walking on top of the water. He is experiencing a miracle. How is he experiencing it? He is obeying the command of Jesus. He is looking at the presence of Jesus. He is experiencing the power of Jesus. Oh, folks, that's what we need to do. We in our walk need to not look at our circumstance, but look unto the Jesus who commands us to get out of the boat, to look unto Jesus, the one who will hold us up by his power, who will by his presence comfort us that we are not alone. But Peter saw the wind. We have all experienced seeing the wind, haven't we? He saw the circumstance of the wind, the circumstance of the waves, and the circumstance of the darkness. We all know what it's like to have faith and then experience setbacks because circumstances develop that are discouraging. We all know what it's like to have faith until we encounter unexpected obstacles that prayer seems to be hindered. We all experience that we're living in a pretty stormy world. And yet, with knowing that we're in a stormy world, we often are caught by surprise by the storms. If we're to get out of the boat, if we're to take the risk of walking on water, we must realize it may look foolish to someone else. It probably was foolish to the other disciples that were on the boat that Peter got out of the boat. But it doesn't matter what other people say about your act of faith. It doesn't make any difference what they say and trying to discourage you. All you need to hear is not their voice, but the voice of the Lord. Five, only fear can stop your faith adventure. Only fear 
I've got some bad news for you this morning. If you conquer fear one time, that's not the end of it. You will have throughout your experience as a believer to have to conquer it over and over and over and over to follow Christ's commands. You see, we have to get out of the boat every day to do what God commands us to do. Jesus in verse 17 said, Take courage, it is I, be not afraid. And yet, when Peter had gotten out of the boat and started walking on the water, it says he began to sink because he was afraid. Lord, he said, save me. Fear will always be in life encounters. Fear will always be in life situations. When you are developing into your spiritual life and entering into new territory in your relationship with Christ, you will have to conquer the fear. You will have to conquer it with every challenge God gives you to be obedient to him. Peter had to face his fear. And when Jesus invited him, he had to face that fear again. Do you remember when he lied and denied his Lord? three times before Jesus' crucifixion? Do you remember how he felt? He was overwhelmed with sorrow. Did you realize that when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he knew that Peter would be afraid to come and face him? So when he said to his disciples, he said said to Mary, go tell your disciples and... Peter. Why? Because he knew Peter would be afraid to come. He had been a failure. I want you to understand something. Sometimes you're going to fail, but don't be afraid to enter back into his presence. Don't be afraid to get up again. Don't be afraid to go on in your journey. You may fall seven times, but you will get up if you've got the faith and the obedience. You see, Peter not only had to face his fear when he faced Jesus after the resurrection, he had to face his fear on the day of Pentecost. After he, was, after he received the Holy Spirit, they went out into the streets and they began to pre- preach. And Peter became the main spokesman that day. The one that denied the Lord becomes the main spokesman, and he has enough courage to overcome fear to say, you're the ones who crucified the Lord of glory. But God raised him from the dead. (laughs) You see, he had to conquer his fear to proclaim that message. At the house of Cornelius, who was a, a Gentile, God sent him there by the Holy Spirit. And he was there out of obedience to the command of the Spirit. But he knew that he would have to face consequences back in Jerusalem. He knew he would have to face the leadership of the Jews and the Jewish church because he was doing something forbidden. But when he stood before those men who were leaders of the church, he said, and the Holy Spirit told me, 
to go. And the result is he was filled with the Holy Spirit and his whole household. He had to face his fear time and time again. Each time you get out of the boat, you have to conquer the fear. But I want to tell you some good news. More, you will be more likely to get out of the boat the next time if you continue to get out of the boat. You need to understand that there will still be fear and there'll still be tension between fear and faith. But you'll become more confident as faith wins over fear time and time again. Anybody listening to what I just said? If you miss this, this is one of the most important parts of this scripture. Is that if you will just learn to exercise your faith, over and over it becomes easier with the tension of fear. I want us to stand in his presence this morning. Fear won't go away, but it can be conquered. Remember, Peter lapsed in his faith, but then he knew who to turn to after he did. When he started sinking, what did he do? He said, Lord, save me. He went right back to the source who could save him. I want to ask some questions this morning. What do you need to get out of your boat for? What is God challenging you in your spirit to do and you keep putting it off because you're afraid? Step out of the boat. If God's putting it on your heart to do, obey it. You do it. Only you can choose to do it. Pastor can't choose it for you. Somebody else in the church can't choose it for you. They may even offer you a place in the church to minister, but it's up to you to know if that's your place. And when it is, step in it. What boat, what's, what's going to get you out of your boat? Maybe the boat you need to get out of is being lost. Maybe this morning you just need to find that Jesus Christ is the Savior and He wants to be yours. I've got some good news for you this morning. If you're here and you need to be saved, you can be saved this very moment in this service. And when we observe communion in a few minutes, you're as worthy of participating this day as anyone that's been in it 50 years. So I'm going to ask 
if there's a need for you to step out of your boat and do something that God's putting on your heart, would you come out right now from where you are and stand here and say, Lord, I've heard your voice. I've heard your voice. I know you've been dealing with me. I know there's something you're speaking for me to do. I'm not saying it's just ministry. I'm, I'm saying it's, it's that broad area of whatever God's been dealing with you. Would you come and just step out? Step out of your boat. Walk on your water <laughs> and say, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Use me. Whatever you're laying on my heart, I will obey. Maybe the Lord hasn't spoke to you about anything definitely, but you're willing to do it if he speaks. And you need to make a statement. Would you do it today? Would you do that? I don't know what he would tell me to do. Whatever, I want to be a part. I want to be a part. I want to be a, a faith adventurer. I want to believe that I can do what he tells me to do. Would you extend your hand to these that have stepped forward right now? Right now, you extend. You pray. You pray for them. They've made a step of faith this morning. You pray for them as they come. Right now, pray out loud. Speak your prayer out before the Lord. We're a Pentecostal church. Lord, I'm available to you. Lord, I'm here to be an obedient servant. Lord, I'm here to exercise a leap of faith. Lord, I'm here to be the child of God that you want me to be. Lord, I'm here to listen to your voice. I'm here to practice your presence. Lord, I'm here for my eyes to see you instead of circumstances to see you instead of things that would hinder me and hold me back. I'm here for you to work in me in a way that is beyond my ability because, Lord, you know my limitations. I'm here for you to use me, God. I'm here. I'm here. I'm available. I'm stepping out of the boat. I'm getting my feet wet this morning. I'm becoming with, I'm coming with ears open and eyes to just be upon you, Lord. To be upon you, Lord. And when they are on you, Lord, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid, Lord, to step out of the boat if you speak it. But it's got to be you, Lord. We've got to hear your voice. It can't be anyone else's voice. It must be yours alone, Lord. We come, Lord, and make ourselves available to you. We are yours, O oh Lord. Use us for your glory. Use us for your praise and honor. In Jesus' name. You may go back to your seats and the ushers can come ready to serve for the communion this morning.
If you're here this morning and you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you prayed a prayer right where you were and you asked Christ to come into your life and you took that leap of faith, would you raise your hand this morning and, and say, I declare I'm a believer. Declare I'm a child of God. If you did, you know what? You can participate today in this communion. They're coming to serve you. I think. I think. While they're coming, I'm going to be reading scripture and they'll be serving you. This is a holy moment, a sacred moment. Paul said in Corinthians, I received from the Lord what I'm passing on to you. The Lord, the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the, the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're making a proclamation of the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 30, verse 28, a man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the, and drinks the cup. So right now, here's what I want you to do. As they're continuing to serve you, would you bow your head? If they haven't got to you yet, I know you have to observe and take it from them. Would you just pray right now, Lord, I want you to examine me. And if there's anything in me that needs to be under the blood, I bring it to you now, for that's why you died. Lord, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm seeking to follow you. I don't want anything to stand in the way of our relationship. In just a moment, I'm going to receive of your broken body. And I'm going to receive of your shed blood. And I want that sacrifice that was made for me to be complete, even to this very moment. that anything needs to be changed, change it now, Lord, in my life. I commit it to you. If you want to stand in his presence again, 
Can someone bring me? Red. He's coming. He's coming. Y'all served? Now I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. I know that this is just a small wafer. But would you take your fingers and break it? He said, this is my body that was broken for you. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? This is my body that was broken for you. We're about to receive this with thanksgiving. Lord, I'm thankful that right now we're about to receive a symbol of your broken body. And it was for me. Will you say those words? It was for me. Say it again. It was for me. Now receive the bread. The reason it tastes better is because to be broken like he was broken, the symbol had to be bitter. I want you to take the cup that you have in your hand. And I want you to look at the redness of the juice. His actual blood was shed for the remission of our sins. Lord, we receive this in thanksgiving. It was for me. Would you say that with me? It was for me. It was for me. Would you receive it? We just testified of the death of our Lord and Savior for our salvation. We just testified that he was crucified. But he said we're to do this until he comes back. That means he's alive. And he saw us participate this morning. And he celebrates with us at his table. Would you just raise your hands and thank the Lord for your salvation. Thank him for the forgiveness of your sins through his sacrifice and resurrection. His ascension at the right hand of the Father who intercedes for us day by day. Hallelujah. Praying for us to make it and to keep our faith until the end.
as I close, I want to say, Pastor Paul chooses to do this once a month. And if we're not careful, we will just take it for granted. Every time we must discern his body of what this really means and can't just let it become tradition. Lord, as we go from here today, Lord, we're going to go and represent you to a world around us that's in darkness. And we're going to go in light to them because you have lit our life with your presence. Lord, let us not be afraid to share our gospel, the gospel that you have given to us, to share and to obey you. is what you take pleasure in when we tell someone about you. I give you thanks for all your blessings. Every good and perfect gift has come from you. Before I dismiss you, something came to mind while I was praying. There was a man in a restaurant maybe a couple of months ago. A couple of young men were sitting there, and he gave them a leaflet that was a witness for Christ. He said, I'd like for you to read this. It really could change your life. I thought, well, those kids, those young men, they'll just probably flip it aside and not even consider it. But I want to tell you something. I saw those young men stay in their, at their table and read it. Don't take for granted when you witness for Christ. It's in vain. You never know when it's going to click. Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you.